Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more. We've got a lot to talk about today, so let's get right into it. Did you know the NASDAQ is up 19% for the year? Every now and then you stop and look at these things and you go, whoa. Russell 2000 is down 10, almost 11% for the year. Those are the extremes. The small cap U.S. companies down 11%. The NASDAQ up 19. S&P 500 is positive for the year, up about almost 1%. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 6%. Of all those averages, the first one I would kick if we had to do like kick, murder, kill, or whatever you want to do, the first one I would kick out is the Dow Jones Industrial Average. I just don't feel it's as diversified as it could be or should be. It feels like it's lying to me. It's got too many companies in it um, that are just average companies. I don't have any interest in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and we've been talking about it for 100 freaking freaking years. It's too much. It's too much. The media needs to stop talking about the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The indices that I care about probably the most, S&P 500 for, you know, kind of a blended. Uh, it's got a lot of companies in it. But then, then again, it's 10 to 20 companies that dominate the movement of the, the direction of the market for the S&P 500. So I don't really love that one either. NASDAQ is what it is. It's growth stocks. And as long as you're saying, I'm not going to own 100% growth stocks, I'm OK with you saying, hey, Let's start 50% growth, 50% income, or 80% growth, 20% income, or 80% income, 20% growth. NASDAQ can can fill a need. I think the S&P 500 can fill a need if you said, hey, I kind of want some large international companies. But then you start blending the the same kind of stocks into each other when you buy the NASDAQ sometimes with the S&P 500. So you're getting too much of a good thing. You want some diversification in your diversification. 800-516-1220 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Yes, it was fascinating. Um, President Trump gave his first COVID-19 press conference. And he's a new man. He believes in masks. Um, he thinks the pandemic's going to get worse before it gets better. There's no, no, no longer can you say that he's behind the curve on that. You have to say, well, he was late to saying it, but he said it. Hospitals are open for elective procedures. Governors say they have enough bed capacity this time, according to Trump. It doesn't look like that in Florida. Florida looks like it's getting overwhelmed. Um, it's something like nine or ten counties. Just they have no beds. So I would never say anything like pray for Florida, but let's hope Florida doesn't get worse. Two vaccine candidates are entering final phase of trials, Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson. Uh, The biotech index, which is just biotech stocks. And in theory, the biotech stocks are kind of sexy and fun, but they're also the most dangerous stocks because they're the ones who aren't earning money. 
But if you want to buy a biotech index, like for instance, my young producer talked about a stock that he bought and sold. I was like, did you pay taxes on it? And he goes, no, <laughs> you're going to need to. Had he just bought IBB, a biotech index, I think he can hold that for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I think he'd give me 5% of your portfolio without starting off crazy. If you want to go 20% healthcare and 5% big healthcare uh, drug companies, pharmaceuticals, 5% is in HMOs, 5% is in medical devices, and 5% is in biotech, I'm good with that. Um. And I would almost – because I don't know the difference between Novavax and Moderna. I barely know the difference between GlaxoSmithKline and Pfizer. Now, I'm exaggerating that, but I do this for a living. So I would rather, if I were you, own an index and go about my merry way and be a wine taster. You know what I know about wine tasting? Nothing. It all tastes garbage to me. I know you're saying he didn't just say that. No, no. It's, I like some wines. But I'm not going to sit there for two, three, four hours and like sip in like it's and go, oh, it's tanny. Oh, it's it's nutty. That's you. Let me do me and you do you. Um, so Trump did say yesterday all Americans should wear masks in public. And to me, that says almost like you can buy a company called 3M. Now, it may not be your thing. Because 3M also makes sticky notes. 3M is a very big international company. So you, you can't just say the face mask. But you know what? It's so weird. Uh, I'm starting to get into the camp of more face masks more of the time. No, I'm not wearing one when I'm in a car with my loved ones. I've seen people do it. Uh, there's another company that's kind of on the small side that's a, a play on 3M. It's called Alpha Pro Tech. Now, Alpha Pro Tech is a small company compared to 3M. Um, but they're also tied towards masks. It's also a building supply company. They do a lot of um, synthetic roof wraps and woven materials. The woven materials is when you get into face masks and face shields and frocks and hoods and coats and hospital gowns. Um, I, I can't see, I, I see more masks in our future than less. Even when this is all said and done, I feel like some scarring is going to be done and people will be slow to change. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Existing home sales surged nearly 21% in June, a record monthly gain. Now, some people are predicting a COVID-19 baby boom. Some people are predicting no babies. But I think we know pretty well that people are going to be coming to America. And in the long term, we're going to make babies. Maybe not as many as we used to, but we're going to need housing. We are still a growing nation. Nike shares uh, shakes up its executive team. So housing is going to be around for a while. Existing home sales surged 21%. Highest monthly gain on record. Again, Kind of a little bogus, but people are getting out. As soon as the economy started opening back up, people want bigger houses. I don't know if you heard me earlier this week, but a, a house sold on my street. Not on my street. Um, in a park close to me. Uh, probably three streets away. For $4 million, And it's got 4,000 square feet. It's a big old Home Depot house, we call it. 
it's cheap, cheap construction material, cheap. Everything's pretty middle of the road. But people don't care. It's everything's on square footage. To be an appraiser on a house right now, it's it's. You take a look if a house sold that's in the neighborhood, and you go, oh, that one had three thousand square feet and sold for three million, and this one has four thousand square feet. So let's say four million. It's not that hard to be an appraiser right now on a basic level, especially since sometimes you're not even going to the house anymore. So you just like the square footage. If you can find comps. I know some appraisers are probably mad at me for saying that, but it's not rocket science watch deal. Nike, on the other hand, is shaking out its executive team to bolster its digital business. They're, they're big into a direct-to-consumer push right now. A D2C. I know you're saying, is that really how they do it? Yes, D, the number two, C. So uh, Nike has to shake up, and they're going to take a $250 million employee termination cost. The idea of doing more direct-to-consumer means more profits because you're still going to be paying 120 bucks for your Nikes. Just they're going to try to cut the middlemen out as much as they can. Digital sales soared 75% uh, when it reported its quarter recently. That's impressive for a company as big as Nike. They've been around a little while. You can find me online, newfocusfinancial.com or robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. So this is a man called AGR and I'll like sugarcoat it. Something I found last year from listening to satellite radio, Bottle Rock uh, Live Weekend when I was driving up to the mountains. This is early in the year. And by the middle of part of the year or the late part, I went to a concert. It's probably the thing that I miss most right now. Live music. Um, AJR announced something. And again, I, you're starting to see this a little bit more. You probably remember me talking about Travis Scott and how I didn't know who he was. I knew he sang at a Super Bowl. His music's not familiar to me. He's not on my Apple playlist. It comes up and I go, well, I don't need to listen to that because I don't know him. I'm an old man. I don't need any new music. Um, but he did a concert for Fortnite that over 12 million people saw. And that number is pretty impressive. A Travis Scott concert could probably hold 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people. We're not talking 12 million. You know, how many people would you pay $200 for a ticket of a virtual concert? No way. But how about a dollar? And that's when I started thinking, oh, man, the music industry is coming out of COVID way different. Um, and let me give you a quick example. That, that band we were just listening to, AJR, um, my kids like them. Uh, and anything you can do to get on the same page with your kid, that day will end at some point in time. So do it. So they just announced that their first concert's coming back. Um, but listen to how it's going to happen. Here I thought I was being all clever, like it's going to be digital and they're going to charge people one or two dollars. No, no, no. We're going back to the 1950s. It's a drive-in concert taking place at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. Tickets to the performance called A Night in Your Car with AJR go on sales this Friday. Um, and it's they're going to be live playing in front of you again, but you're going to be in your car. Or something like that. I, you know, I'm not going to speak for the, the producers and everything along those lines, 
But the idea of movie theaters and drive-ins are coming back. And I'll tell you what, it's strangely nice. I, I don't need the seats that vibrate. I don't need the, you know, the sticky gum underneath the seat. I got my own vehicle. I kind of like the idea. Um, so is it shtick? Yeah. Is it something to bridge? Yeah. Um, and I, I like that. I, I like the innovation. Let's go back to old school, so to speak. Listen to this. Talk about going back to old school and COVID. I'm not kidding when I tell you this is all true. I'm not making this up. Walmart is ending its tradition of kicking off in-store Black Friday sales on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, my God. Did he just say Walmart's closing on Black Friday? Yep. Um, store's going to be closed on Thanksgiving. Wow. <laughs> oh, no. We're, we're afraid of people. And... One of my concerns is is the holiday season and shopping. Walmart also announced that it would pay out a third round of bonuses to employees in August. They seem to be doing everything right on a lot of levels. Will I remember that as an investor? Probably not. In the end, all I care about is cash money, cold cash money. Um, so the holidays and shopping are going to be different this year. And Walmart's already taken that first step. I think that's that's a leader. And again, I don't own any shares in Walmart. If you were to say, Rob, pick me 20 stocks for the next 30 years, it may it may make the cut like 30, but it may not make it to 20. But it's it's not bad. And again, the, the rules of the game is it's you have to hold the stock for 30 years. Uh, Cinder Rumpel Stiltskin. You fall asleep, you wake up. What would you rather have? And it's kind of funny if you ever do that list. I have all my notes going back 25 years, all of them. And every now and then I'll open up a page of them and I'll go, oh, that didn't turn out that way. Or the one when I'm talking about B operating systems, potentially investing in Apple to save them. Apple is looking for cash infusions. And you know who gave them one? Who gave Apple their biggest lifeline? Who saved the company? When Steve Jobs was there, how did Steve Jobs ever take billions of dollars from Bill Gates, Microsoft. Microsoft was in such a bad position coming out of the Department of Justice investigation in the European Union investigation into antitrust that they were like, look, we're being nice. We're going to give Apple billions of dollars. And it turned out to be a great investment. And they ported uh, Microsoft Office into Apple. And because of that, eh, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think Apple was saved. It gave them an infusion when the competition was at its fiercest with Microsoft, with the PC makers. It's kind of funny to look back on, in my opinion. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. The United States government has agreed to pay Pfizer and BioNTech $2 billion for 100 million doses of coronavaccine if it works. So the United States has said, we want 100 million doses and we could acquire 500 million doses if uh, needed. Are you telling me drugs go to the highest bidder? Uh-huh. Are you telling me countries that print their own money with the printing presses where the president of the United States could say, hey, we want that 100 million shipments. And uh, the, the drug maker goes, 
we need money. And he goes, president goes, do we have any? Let's go look in the cash register. No, no, just turn on the printing presses. So that's serious cash to these companies. It seems like chump change to a company like Apple or Microsoft or Amazon, but $1.95 billion to produce 100 doses of COVID-19 vaccine? Now, what did I just say? And is there a lesson to be learned there? I think there is. That's chump change to Amazon, Microsoft, and Apple. That would barely move the needle in my in their world. $1.9 billion. Like, Apple can, like, triple that number in a surprise or miss that number by five times in a surprise. Oh, just a drop of the bucket. So the U.S. can acquire an additional 500 million shares of vaccines. This is nice news. Pfizer's up 5% on that news. BioNTech is up 8%. So um, just throwing that out there, I, I think that's nice news. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. There was a CNBC replay of one of the very first seasons. It was the first season of Shark Tank. And an inventor came on the show, and she was the woman who came up with the Google logo. So she's kind of a designer by nature, and she designed face masks. That was her pitch. Every single shark hated it. Every single shark mocked her. And now looking back on it, it looks strangely and oddly and weirdly like she's trying to like uh, make them like very personalized. So like maybe like teeth are on them. And so it looks like, oh, oh, that's funny. That's a funny face mask. She hadn't figured out the science of face mask yet, but she saw them as an accessory of the future. Pretty interesting. 800-516-1220. Each calls on the air. Kanye and Kim heading for divorce. This and more when Rob Black and Your Money returns. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. I was a little bit stunned when I looked at the year-to-date performance with the NASDAQ up 20% year-to-date. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare. With briefing.com, when I bring up the NASDAQ, Mr. O'Hare being up 20%, I should also bring up the Russell being down 10%. One is a small cap U.S. index, and one of them is a big international growth index. Are you kind of surprised um, by some of the disparities in the returns in the market this year? Uh, Because that's a pretty big one with the Dow and the S&P 500 somewhere close to break even to slightly up. Hey, Rob, good morning. morning. I'm sure it's a massive disparity, and and it's... being led by some massive stocks. Um, you know, it's well chronicled now that the the top five stocks in the S&P 500 account for 23% of that market weight, uh, but there are also components within the NASDAQ uh, 100. And so you talk about the NASDAQ composite being up, you know, about 20% year-to-date. The NASDAQ 100 is up 24% year-to-date. And uh, so you're seeing some real strong influence um uh, disproportionate influence uh, based on the performances of those mega cap stocks, the Microsofts, the Apples, the Amazons, the Teslas, uh, you know, Facebook. Um, they're doing their part to carry this market up. Uh, and so it's certainly still um, showing well, if you will, for, you know, the index level investor. But, you know, you go beneath 
the surface there and, and things are not as good. So it's been probably more challenging to be a, you know, a stock picker if you haven't been picking, you know, this particular group of stocks and a few others. That's fair to say. And again, it's a little bit surprising to me, but I'm glad you addressed it. That helps a lot. Um, I start my day every day with page one and you eloquently write it every day. That's quite a chore. Um, putting together thoughts of, you know, a good old two paragraphs of what's happening on Wall Street. But you do a great job. And today you start with it's good and bad out there. I kind of the headline itself tells me this is going to be a good one. And you, you do start flipping through what's going on. Um, news on uh, viruses or v- vaccines, maybe uh, you're talking about earnings season. You're a little bit about the political uh, environment. What's standing out to you right now? What's what's the most interesting thing you see when you open the morning papers and uh, turn on the news, so to speak? Well, I think you've got this, you know, uh, a little bit of what we talked about, just this continued infatuation with these mega cap stocks. You know, yeah. it, it does not end. Um, you know, we saw you know, a week ago traded off just a little bit, you know, prompted the NASDAQ to go down about a 1%. And then, you know, lo and behold, you get a, you know, nice you know, 2.5% rally on Monday, uh, which is was fortified by, I think, like a 8% gain in, in Amazon, you know, and a 9% gain in Tesla or something of that magnitude. And, yeah. and you just have this, this just continued infatuation there, uh, which is really, re- it is truly remarkable. So, so that's one component. But you know, something that else just catches my eye, which was kind of part of the thematic element of the page one column today, is that you've got, you know, a lot of things that you can look at from both a positive standpoint and a negative standpoint. <clears throat> and so you get a market that kind of does vacillate from one day to the next. You know, we saw some rotation into value, um, you know, yesterday after we saw rotation back to growth on Monday. And, you know, I think that's really a function, too, though, of broader, you know, uncertainty, right? I mean, the the future is always uncertain, but it seems particularly uncertain these days when you think about, uh, you know, COVID, when you think about U.S.-China tension, when you think about uh, the presidential election, you know, when you think about uh, the state of the labor market uh, and whether, you know, temporary layoffs will continue to morph into permanent job losses. And so there's just really a lot out there that it's difficult for the market to get its mind around uh, and to sustain, you know, a belief in any one uh, road. And so you kind of just see the market gravitate back to what it does know, which are these, you know, mega cap uh, leaders that do have tremendous revenue growth, you know, greater earnings dependability, uh, good balance sheets by and large, and in some cases have the ability to keep paying a very secure dividend. And so, um, so there's there's a little bit of a, a a vacuum there in terms of thinking about the market. And so, uh, so a lot of participants are just going to what they do know and what they feel safe. In, in investing in, and, and it's kind of getting into a very concentrated and clearly a crowded trade in some some pockets of the market, which you know can remain the case for for some time. Um, but you do have to worry about that concentration risk and the unwinding 
from those mega cap stocks if, and this is a big if, Rob, if that money does not rotate into other underappreciated areas of the market. Uh, and so far it does. On days when these growth stocks and mega cap stocks kind of pull back, you see an inclination to move into cyclical and value-oriented areas of the market, and that keeps things from you know imploding, really. Um, but uh, if everything, if the dam breaks all at once, you know, it can be a really vicious slide in a hurry. I'm speaking with Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. I should disclose that I've recently sold 5% of one of those big tech names. And I'm not going to look back and, and regret it. It's, it's been up you know, 3,000 plus percent in my career. So I'm, I'm shaving a little bit off. Um, but let's talk not about me being the expert, but you brought up Bill Ackman in your page one today at Briefing.com. And his views on the stock market is cautious. Now, he's a billionaire investor. He's an activist investor. He's made big wins over time, probably more big wins than big losses, but he's had some big losses too. He said something interesting that you quoted, that he thinks that the next period of time, the next period of time will garner some attribution as a factor to train buyers at the moment since he has been establishing long positions in a number of stocks since March 18th. I don't know what that means, but I like the phrase the next period of time because that, that feels exactly right on what we're going through with COVID and the markets. Um, it's going to be well, an adventure, so I, to speak. I, yeah, you know, and I would argue it gives Mr. Ackman some latitude in terms of, of mm. being able to shift pretty quickly, right? Um, which, as a hedge fund manager, he's apt to do. Um, you know, and, and you do have to give him the credit uh, at this juncture in terms of what we're dealing with right now and that he's, he has been um, proven correct in terms of both the, the, you know, the bearish hedge he had established going into the COVID crisis, which um, made him a ton of money, uh, and then the transition back to going long on a, on a you know, a number of stocks, uh, Starbucks, Lowe's, Hilton Hotels, uh, Chipotle, I believe, you know, right close to uh, the March low. So uh, when he comes out today and suggests that he's cautious on the stock market over the, quote, next period of time, um, it is something that would catch the market's attention, just knowing that he's been right, you know, in terms of the COVID trade thus far and the market's uh, behavior. So, um, you know, there's lots of very influential investors, though. You know, this, this I think, is maybe a, a one-day wonder in terms of maybe reaction, reacting to what, he, what his views are. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, something you said earlier, though, Rob, about, you know, trimming some of your, your winnings from such a huge and successful investment, you know, that, that, that's something that, you know, kind of Mark Cuban hinted at earlier, too, in the week. He said, you know, you just don't want to get greedy. And, you know, when he looks at this market, he sees remnants of what was taking place in 1999 with the dot-com uh, bubble, uh, and that, you know, you never really actually turn a profit until you take a profit, right? And when you see such extreme outperformance over such a short period of time, um, you know, it's a prudent thing to shave, shave some of that off the top, either allocate the cash or maybe reallocate to those underperforming areas if you're truly a long-term-minded investor and you're confident in the notion that you'll get this vaccine coming in the next six months or so. And, and, and have it be a, a safe and reliable vaccine that can really help turn the tide of the economy uh, and a lot of these depressed stocks which have been left for dead uh, because of the shutdown uh, in the economy. 
earning season. Let's turn the page there because we're starting to get into it. I think it's one of the best things that briefing.com provides to me. We only got about a minute or two left, but the banks kind of set us up for this recovery is going to take a little bit longer by the amount of reserves that they're taking in or putting up. Um, what else are you seeing in earnings or what are you seeing in earnings? I don't want to put the banking stocks in your mouth per se. Right. Well, I, I don't think it's any surprise to see the market react uh, reasonably well here through the initial part of the earnings reporting period. You know, uh, earnings are being looked at right now on a relative basis, not on an absolute basis. You know, if you look at things on an absolute basis, they're absolutely terrible. Right. We're talking Q2 earnings down close to 45 percent year over year. Right. So that's terrible. But you see a lot of companies that come in, you know, and just beat relative to very depressed expectations. And so you see positive responses in the stocks. And, and so you see the stock market holding up reasonably well as that relative uh, surprise continues to fortify this notion that things are kind of at their nadir here and are going to only improve in coming months. And so there's this willingness to continue to look to better times ahead as far as the earnings picture is concerned. Thanks very much for joining us today. It is always appreciated. It's briefing.com, a great source, a reliable source for international domestic markets. Covers everything. And I talked about how I like earnings, but I start my day with patrickoharesbriefing.com. I used to speak with The Economist at briefing.com every week. Um, He moved on to different pastures, but the, the amount of content there is unbelievable. Um, and if you care about text instruments, there's right up on their earnings there. Biogen, Teradyne, Key Corp. You got an upbeat sales commentary from Best Buy. I don't get it. I don't get who's doing all the shopping. Is it being delivered? I don't get it because the Best Buy stores that I go to, they're pretty empty when I drive by them. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. U.S.-China tensions are lingering. Virus concerns as well. And yet the markets are doing their things, moving higher. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Anything that you ever want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. I don't have to be right. I don't care. I do a show that is really dedicated to getting you to retirement, and I know I'm helping some people on SMP who are going to go off and go, yeah, I really want gold and wrapped in like gold. I get it. That's fine. Um, I'm just showing you my experience through these times. And unlike other people on Wall Street, I find them very difficult to approach. I try to be very approachable. So I find Chad Burton, his content makes my head spin. I'm glad he does what he does, so I don't have to. But I don't find him as approachable as me. <laughs> Does that make any sense? So I think by showing the world what a financial planner is, I think I do a good job there. So Apple's up today. Visa's up today. Microsoft's up today. Text Instruments down. Text Instruments is one of those companies that I do find important to look at. In the 1980s, Text Instruments was a leading tech company in the United States. They were the Intel before Intel. Um, digital equipment was the Dell before Dell. It was the Compact before Like, there's been some companies that have lost their edge hard. Now, I look at text instruments still for some data. 
Not a lot. But they're cautious on the economy. They're a big semiconductor company, and they're in a lot of cars. Your car has more semiconductors today in it than ever before. The parts that Texas Instruments sells, the semiconductors that they sell, don't have a long lag time, and the inventory doesn't go bad over time. They're not putting cutting-edge technology into your car. They're putting safe technology into your car. Auto was an area of weakness during the quarter. Sales in the vertical were down 40% sequentially. Again, they're not. this isn't cutting-edge stuff, so it's not like, oh, they missed a new product cycle. That's not happening. Texas Instruments is ultimately telling me a big piece of the economy. The auto industry appears to have bottomed in May because they got sequential growth month to month. Again, now, if they were selling cutting-edge technology or graphic processors or GPUs or CPUs, if they were selling something that the semiconductor focused on creating Bitcoin, it's just focused and boom, out comes a Bitcoin. I, I, I'd be a little bit like, okay, this is not, not as important. But they're selling boring old technology into the auto industry. Now, they talked a little bit about inventory building on the other side, the people they're selling their equipment to. They're a little bit worried there's a little bit of that because of what's going on in China and global supply chains, that if you can get a motherboard that you're going to put into a car radio or into a car steering system or into an electric window up and down switch, um, we better get as many of those as we can just in case something goes bad with supply chain. Again, uh, personal electronics were up 20%, Texas Instruments said, driven by strong demand for PCs and laptops. Um, that is explained away in one, one phrase, work at home. The work at home trend has been very kind to the PC vertical. Okay, so that's what I did yesterday afternoon. I listened to Texas Instruments call. I shared with you some very, very basic notes. Um, and you probably like Rob's never talked about text instruments before on the show. I have, but it's on more of its glory days and how we met, how we missed them. Um, or how they were really a, like a calculator company in a lot of people's minds. I'm not sure on this, but I bet if we were to go back, Texas instruments probably has a pretty good tie with NASA, uh, from way back in the days when they're building rockets and they NASA would call up and say, hey, we need something. But I totally made that up. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> so, But that's just me going, Texas, Houston, and Texas. I get it. And again, the components that they build now are very simple. United Airlines missed by six cents. They reported numbers yesterday. Another conference call that I got to the joy of listening to. Uh, but they're telling us a lot. So they lost a lot of money, $9.31 a share. Wow. Revenues fell 87% year over year. That is something. If your revenues fell 87% and you were to come home tonight and your spouse were to say, honey, where's your paycheck? It looks 87% smaller. You're going, I'm sorry. But I look at companies as human beings. You know why I look at companies as human beings? Because well, I, the IRS does too. So they're not going to be paying a lot of taxes this year at United Airlines. Cash burn, super important. $40 million a day. 
if I were to come to you and say, I got this great idea for a face mask company, but we're going to lose $40 million a day, you're going to say, how much do you need? I would say $4 billion, $400 million, $4 million, something, anything. And you're going to say, well, that money's not going to last long. So they have to forecast that their cash burn rate is going to be $25 million a day during the third quarter. But that doesn't feel really good either, does it? Oh, honey, how much did you make today? I lost $25 million. Come home tomorrow. I hope you have a better answer. Nope, same thing. Now, United Airlines did their best job of matching actual capacity demand among its, the large networks out there, the airline networks. And now they're starting to do some more ride sharing, most of the airlines. So the numbers should start to look a little bit better as far as capacity and planes. And then they'll, they'll say, hey, if JetBlue and United are sharing uh, planes, they'll say, hey, uh, do you mind if we open up a new route? We'll do the same exact thing, but here's a new route. You're in Chicago, we're in Chicago. Good, let's do it kind of thing. But United's produced fewer losses and lower cash burn than in the second quarter than any other airlines. So them producing fewer airlines and lower cash burn, as far as big guys, now again, like a Spirit Airways, they're, they're going to be goofy, but they're so small in comparison. But some interesting things out of it, United said they're going to double the size of their schedule from June to July. And they said that their schedule will begin to expand in August. So that's a little bit of a positive. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com.